The car's on fire, and there's no driver at the wheel. This is the character generation. The car's on fire. I need to go get a fire extinguisher. Good joke. Good joke. Good joke. That's. I can't believe we've never done that before. <laughs> and I'm upset that we've done it now. Welcome to the character generation. I'm Chet. I'm Moff. And this is a podcast where we make tabletop role-playing game characters of the goofy variety. It, I feel rusty. It's been over a month since we recorded last. Whoops. Yeah, technically. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, sorry about that uh, one release we missed, everybody. A bunch of shit happened, including all of the audio getting fucked up on the in-person recording we did, and Moth had to ADR a bunch of shit. Hey, um, your yeah. dedication is incredible. Ah, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, I'm, re- I'm rescinding all the compliments I was about to give you for the thank good you, work you, you did on salvaging last week. Good, good. <laughs> I don't want to get a big head about it. <laughs> Gross, we can't keep talking about stuff like that. We had seven minutes of talk with Garfield. Listen. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> We're not talking about Garfield's nuts anymore. <laughs> we can't do that on the recording. That's illegal. We recorded all of that! <laughs> we recorded most of it. Okay, listen. Um, This week, we're, we're fucking... Hey, listeners. Do me a favor and go to Garfield.com really fast. <laughs> and uh, go to the comic for 1990, June 30th? Or May 30th, excuse me. June 30th May is completely 30th, different. May 30th, 1990. Just trust me. We can't I'm gonna keep buy doing that t-shirt. This. I know you are. <laughs> anyway. I'm gonna um... wear it to all the parties. All of the parties that we definitely go to. For sure, for sure. All right, hey, so... I just dropped all my note cards. Oh, no! <laughs> uh, last week, we did the Microscope game. Yeah. Um, and we made a world, uh, Casteron, and the people who lived in it, the Casterones. That world was uh, subterranean cosmic horror. We did, I think, a good job of it. Once again, just definitely gotta apologize. Sorry for the bad audio quality. <laughs> it won't happen again. It might. Probably. It might. We're not reliable. So, like, <laughs> don't trust me on anything I say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, this week we are going to kind of continue that thing by making characters in the world that we created now. We're back to doing our our normal thing where we we create characters and not do some experimental shit. So yeah, what's the system that we are using? I believe what we're going to do is we're going to be doing it in Dungeon World, but using specifically the Inverse World set of playbooks. Yes. Just because A, they're like good and interesting. Yeah. And B, because it kind of fits the world better because Inverse World is all about being upside down in a hollow world sort of scenario to begin with. And also there's more storytelling stuff in there than there is in the core Dungeon World books. Yeah. Dungeon World is, I think right now, currently in my life, my absolute favorite like RPG system. In in the D&D campaign that we actively play in, we just recently transitioned to Dungeon World from D&D because it's better for storytelling and it's less um, bullshit, I think, to play it in. 
Yeah, for sure. It's a, a fun indie RPG. I can't recommend it enough. It's by like Adam Koble, I think. Adam Koble and Sage Latora. Yes. Um, an Inverse World is a Dungeon World supplement that you can buy on Drive Through RPG. Once again, not a sponsor, but once again, please co-sponsor our talking about Garfield. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna write up a new playbook called The Garfield. Oh God, no! I don't. I can't. One of the You've advances you can buy is electric probe warmer. You've... <laughs> <laughs> the other one's coffee mug full of nut. Oh my God. No, that's for the Arbuckle. Oh, okay. Listen, I'm moving us along because I can't <laughs> mentally handle this. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, all of the above, I can't handle this. The interesting one's going to be the Lyman, where after a couple of sessions you just disappear and no one ever mentions you again. <laughs> So yeah, Inverse World. Um, <laughs> it's by uh, Jacob Randolph and Liberty Gothic Games. Yeah, Jacob Randolph and Brandon Schmeltz. Yeah, Liberty Gothic Games. Liberty. I don't know. One of those. Library. Recommend it. Anyway, library. Yeah, I recommend all it. their stuff. They're really good, and this yeah, is going to no, be really fun. Really good at making RPG stuff. It turns out. Surprise. Yes. Anyway, it is time for grains. For tabletop grains. <laughs> So, we have this full list of different classes here, and I think the way we should do it is just pick a class and make a character based on that. Okay. I think the most interesting one to start with for us is going to be uh, the Survivor. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, the Survivor is... it fits a lot, and I was very specifically thinking it would work for... Hold on, it's been a month, I forgot all the names. Wow, I thought you listened to the episode. I did listen to the episode, but I have the memory of a goldfish. Um, Snearnia, that's right. Yeah, how could you ever forget that good name? Yeah, Snearnia. It's so distinctive and memorable. The Snearnians. Um... <laughs> I think the survivor should be a Sneerdian. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, you know, they got nuked. Fantasy nuked. Magic nuked. Yeah, fantasy magic nuked. Uh, here's my question. I don't think we ever uh -huh. decided this. What do the Sneerdians look like? I think we described them as some kind of, like, fish bats. That's right. We did describe them as fish bats. Yeah. yeah. Like, 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 uh... Big blind-eyed fish bat people. Yeah, like mudfish, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mud skipper. I don't, I don't know if mud skippers are a real thing. Hold on. Yeah, mud skippers are real. What are you talking no. about? <laughs> Never mind. They are real. I don't know why I thought they weren't real. Did you think someone invented them? Did you think they were the slide rock bolter of fish? <laughs> I thought. I okay. Honestly, I thought <laughs> mud skippers might have been cryptids, and I couldn't remember if they were or not. <laughs> God, they're horrifying the to look at. Did you think the skippers live in the same area as the tea kettler and the cactus cat? I thought it was like a jackalope situation. <laughs> it's not. They look weird, though. <laughs> anyway, I think they're, they're those and bats. So uh -huh. let's run through the survivor now that we remember okay, yeah. what they look like. Man, their eyes are all the way on top of their head. God, their eyes just bulge out. It's terrifying. 
I think the gimmick is that's how they can see above the water while they're still in it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I don't like looking God, at their okay. open mouths. Oh, you mean this third picture in Google Images that just looks like a Monster Hunter boss? Yeah, a little bit. Anyway, uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what... The way that, um, like, Dungeon World... this thing. Okay. It's got yeah, it weird does. spots. <laughs> like, I wanna fucking take a sword and shield and carve that tail off. This almost looks like a statue of a mudskipper. It's so, like... I think it might be a statue of a mudskipper. It might Hang be on. a statue of a mudskipper. This is good audio. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> good, cool, good. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has like a roar that you need uh, high-grade earplugs for, just because its mouth is so large. Definitely, definitely. Okay. It's probably it from can't... 3U, so you have to spend half the fight underwater with it. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's no way this has any verticality to it. This isn't a new monster. What are you talking about? There's that gap in the, the fin right there that you can hop onto. Uh, this, <laughs> this is our Monster Hunter podcast now, where we look at pictures of animals and determine if it would make a good Monster Hunter boss. Yeah, exactly. Um, Next up, here's a picture of a secretary bird. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a blue jay. How would you kill it? If it was 20 feet tall, shit, I could actually have a conversation about that. And we gotta move on. We gotta, we gotta, we're the survivor. And the okay, way Dungeon yeah. World works is it has systems in place. Normally it's alignment, but I think Inverse World replaced that with drive. Yeah, a lot of the later playbooks swap out race and alignment with like drive and whatever specific thing that playbook has. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of tie it in more deeply to the central gimmick. Exactly. All of it is, of course, super easy to homebrew in something if whatever is in the playbook doesn't fit what you want your character to be. But for what I think we're doing here, I feel like we should do um, bottom up. Thank you for the picture. Uh, we should do bottom up and go by what's in the playbook specifically, just because I don't want to mess around with homebrewing stuff. I mean, despite the fact that it's easier to homebrew in Dungeon World, I'm always a little bit sorry of it. Hold on. Yeah. Stop the podcast. Okay, okay. Moth has just linked me two more pictures of animals. One with... I'm sorry, what, what, what type of bird is this? This is a secretary bird. This is a secretary bird, okay. Um, and it's enraged. It's... Okay. Cool, thank you. Thank you. Cool. Continue. I'm glad that I'm glad that we are retaining our inability to focus on creating characters in this podcast. Hell yeah! <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying, if it's a bird with a threat display, that makes it really easy to just have that threat display for its enrage. They do that with like three different bird dragons already, though. That's that's not a new gimmick. Uh, well, this one's gimmick is that it can't fly, but it runs really fast on its incredibly long legs. Okay. See, I would be interested in a Monster Hunter game where they replace, like, the the first real monster you fight, like, instead of Kutku or Korapeko, with just a flightless ostrich. Like, a giant <laughs> ostrich. Holy fuck. Imagine, like, a... Imagine, like, a mouse guard Monster Hunter game where all the bosses are just, like, large animals. Fuck, that'd be fun, actually. Oh, yeah, shit. right? Just like you spend most of your time fighting, like... This conversation is for literally nobody but us, by the way. Oh, for sure, for sure. But imagine a game where you just, like, 
the regular monsters are like normal sized ants. Oh god. Yeah, like, like those are the ads, and then like yeah, and then you just have to fight like a rhinoceros. You just beetle. gotta kill a dog. Oh god! Oh, oh my oh, god! Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the like end game boss is like I'm trying to think of animals. I don't know any of them. The end game boss is like a wolf. I was gonna say it's like a hippopotamus. Jesus! There you go. <laughs> <laughs> like a baby hippopotamus. No, that's no. fucked up. <laughs> Just a full-size hippopotamus, I think. Yeah, it's like a Jen Moran fight or something, where you're, like, riding on some kind of, yeah. like, airship or something, and you have to fire guns at a hippopotamus. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> now I'm just thinking about this. To, I'd be very into this video game. Once again, we're not a video games podcast. Please make this video game somebody. Um, anyway. Are you sure we're not? We talk about them a lot. I'm pretty sure we're not, though. Anyway, what's our survivor's drive? Um, the three drives <laughs> that are offered are inner peace, something to call my own, or to stare in the face of death. Or to stare death in the face, excuse me. The way drives work is it is a trait that you pick that um, rewards you for role-playing in that manner that the drive specifies. Yeah, at the end of a session, if you've been able to like showcase that aspect of your character, you get to mark experience. Yeah. So for inner peace... The drive is settle a confrontation without committing an act of violence. So if you play a, a game and you settle a confrontation by like talking someone down, you mark experience at the end of that session. Uh, the drive, something to call my own, is obtain something or some place that is yours and only yours. And to stare death in the face is willingly Im face impossible odds for the thrill of it. What is this character? We don't know literally anything about this character. What drive do you think would be good? I mean, what we could do is we could return to our roots here and begin rolling randomly until we have ideas. I'm into it. All right. I'm going to roll a d6, one or two, inner peace, three or four, something called my own, five or six, stare death in the face. Okay. That is stare death in the face. So a thrill seeker. Yeah. Yeah. They willingly face impossible odds for the thrill of it. Next up is the character's um, cataclysm. You choose any race. Our race is Snirnian. Uh, then choose the nature of the cataclysm you have survived. This one I don't think we roll on. No, because we've kind of already chosen the nature of that cataclysm. Yeah, can you read the, the three options for the cataclysm? I don't want to spend this whole episode just reading off all the different options here. Fair. But uh, the three different choices are man, beast, or god, and it was definitely a man-made apocalypse. Yes. Yeah, you lost everything to the cruelty of your fellow people. So the way that these work, the racial abilities, or I guess in this case, cataclysm abilities, or are it's something that you get to do. It's like an extra move that you get, or an extra addition to a move that you have. Yeah. So for this one, um, man, you lost everything to the cruelty of your fellow people. When dealing with sympathetic or guilt-ridden NPCs, you can use your tortured past as leverage, which is very good. That's very yeah. interesting. Especially because you need to have leverage over somebody to use the parlay move, so this basically just means you can guilt people into helping you out yeah. if, like, for instance, there's some kind of person who was involved in the destruction of your world, which a lot of people were. Exactly. Cool. And so we've got that. We don't have any bonds yet because we ha don't have any other characters. So we'll, we'll come back true. to that. I think at the end, we'll get the bonds uh -huh. all figured out roughly. Yeah. And then do we want to do just like a brief overview of what the starting moves are? Yeah. Let's at least choose our eternal marks at least. Yeah. 
So as the survivor of a great cataclysm, our character um, has a mark left upon them from the world, and they've been eternally changed as a result. We choose two options. Do we just want to roll for these two? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay, there's six, so that's easy. I'm just gonna roll yeah. 2d6. That's a five and a six. So, a heart broken. Take plus one forward against any who insult something you have lost. Yeah. And a scar burning. The scar glows and burns when you are in danger. Huh. Which is probably going to be very often considering the drive of our character. It's interesting because, like, a heartbroken is easy. That is just a reaction to tragedy. That totally makes sense. But a scar burning yeah. is more explicitly magical. Yes. So I'm interested in how that happened. Um. Hmm. You're on the spot. Go. You have to come up with it right now. The second great old one gave it to him. Okay. How exactly? Um. I'm not sure. I. I how about nope, you got to come up come up with it right now come on improv okay okay uh you're Abraham they Lincoln. woke you're in a movie theater <laughs> oh. <laughs> four score and seven years ago we will make it to the moon i don't remember which one abraham lincoln is that's the one yep <laughs> he was very forward thinking <laughs> <laughs> i remember i remember abraham lincoln's favorite famous speech uh -huh. where he said Yes, we will beat the communist Russians to the moon eventually someday when they exist. And also, yes, exactly. we will go to the moon. My name's Abraham Lincoln. I can see the future. Uh, and then I watched the movie where he did that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Probably still better than Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. It, it was actually the same movie. I don't know if, if you're aware. Oh, um, But okay. in Abraham, Va Lin Abraham, Abraham Vampire, Vampire Lincoln Hunt. Abraham Li Vampire Lincoln Hunter. Uh... <laughs> He uses his future sight abilities to see the vampires, because, as everyone knows, vampires are permanently invisible. Right, of course, of course. And so he sees where they're going to be, and that's how he kills them. It's sort of like a, a, a Jedi mind trick situation. Okay, like the Force. Okay. Some mind kind trick, of like a Minority you know. Report situation. Yeah. He just see like, the crimes just... that they're going to commit. We can just keep throwing words at a wall, <laughs> and it'll stick. So this and is that, our next that's character. just what we said now. <laughs> Abraham Vampire. Abraham Vampire. Um, the Snernian. Good. Yeah. Where is? I think Abraham Vampire did just wake up with this scar. Okay. And like doesn't know where it came from, but I think it's interesting if it did come from the the great old one. That would be like a plot hook for the DM. Okay, so if we're tying this all together, what you're saying is the after effects of the Erasure Engine turned all of the Castoroni into vampires. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Like a very traditional vampires. Like they need permission <laughs> to enter a building and can turn into bats. Totally, totally. Well, Slicked back not hair, just bats. hairy palms, have to live in grave <laughs> yep. dirt. But, uh, they don't have hair, so like they're weird feelers that come up from the top of their head. I think that's what gets slicked back. There you go. Very, like, high-collar cloaks. Um, <laughs> not just bats, because they're already bats. So, like, that's weird. Oh, oh. No, I was saying the Castoroni get turned into vampires. Oh, the Castoroni. Oh, I thought we were talking about the Snernians. No, 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 because then that would be danger. Good point. I like that more. Because <laughs> we just described them as normal-ass humans, right? Yeah, yeah, they're just humans. And now they're just human vampires. Yep, all of them. Except for a couple of them who got turned into those weird vampire watermelons. 
or the um or the ones that got turned into giant heads on another planet <laughs> oh man is he gonna be one of our characters no he can't be why not he? he might be okay. that'd be cool we'll yeah. see so the castoronian sorry the castoronis are all vampires Thank you. correct correct <laughs> all i require is that you commit to this bit that you made <laughs> it was a mistake that i can't go back at this point Exactly. So I just have to live with it for one more episode, <laughs> at least. Is is this character's name still Abraham Vampire? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. There's a, <laughs> there's a real irony of the situation, being named after what are now the people who killed your civilization. Exactly. They were all named after Abraham Vampire. Yeah. It's a Snyrnian word that means something with pathos. Yeah, vampire wasn't a word in the Castoroni language. Sure, yeah, which is just English. Yeah, but it's English. It's it's English, but without the word vampire. Fuck. <laughs> this is some really good conlanging we're doing here. Or right goat. Now. Goat doesn't <laughs> exist either. Okay. Okay. Or love, because they're. Shit. So it's a fun um. It's a fun Star Trek joke for all you Trekkies out there. Oh my god. I just like to hop in real fast and say that the Sapir Wharf hypothesis is bad. <laughs> Let's make this into a linguistics podcast really fast. <laughs> You'll be doing most of the talking. <laughs> So yeah, where is where is uh, Abraham's scar? Huh, that's a good question. Are these like anthropomorphic fish bats? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. I think the weird thing is that we established that they're not blind because everything under their world is bioluminescent, despite mm -hmm. them having big, creepy white cavefish eyes. Yeah. So they can still see through those somehow. I imagine it's, like, fairly dark bioluminescent. Like, it okay. still lights stuff up enough for, like, the Castoroni to see. Uh -huh. But it's... I, I imagined it was still, like, pretty dim, and they just have, like, insane um, dark vision sort of thing going on. Okay. Oh, wait, no, this is easy. The scar is obviously two marks on their neck. Boom, problem two. solved. God damn it. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, because they're a vampire. <laughs> It's their they're name, they're not a real vampire. vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna make a decision about Snyrnian culture right now. Okay, go for it. Uh it's commonplace for um like upper middle class of the Snyrnian to wear just what we consider traditional vampire garb. Ah fuck. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so he dresses like a Dracula. Oh my god. He yeah, he wears like a big red and black opera cape and a bunch of weird medals for no reason. <laughs> and then just like a really intricately sewed vest and like Yep. Yeah. Oh my god. Perfect. Yeah, okay. Um so he can't see his glowing scar when he's in danger. Can he feel it? Because it does say it's burning. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's the gimmick. Okay. He's just like, ah, shit, my neck hurts. Oh, no. Does it glow in the <laughs> same like, way oh, as yes. the weird bioluminescent fungus? Yeah. Aha. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, it does. And that's, it all comes back together somehow. Very somehow we did it. There we go. I don't know what that means, but it definitely happened. It definitely did happen. So, like, here's the thing. One of the things in the gear section for the survivor is a weapon your mentor once used. Describe it. Okay. Hmm. Uh, it gets whatever range tag fits best and three ammo should it need it. So what, um... What kind of weapons do the Snarnians use? Yeah. We should also go back real fast. One of the other things is uh, they also get a memento from the Cataclysm. Describe it. Oh, yes. So what do you think they still carry with them? Um... I think they have a a necklace that they okay. wear around their neck at all time, and it's from um, it's like something that their their parents gave them, uh, okay. and their parents and their original hometown was like in the blast radius, quote unquote okay. blast radius of the um, erasure engine. Um, so it's like one of the only things that exists from that area at all left, and so they hold on to it. Closely. It's one of their many weird medals that they wear since they dress like a Dracula. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's, I think they they probably lived in that town and they were like out of town for some reason when it happened. And so that's why they're the survivor because they're the only person from that like was in that area that lived in that area that's still alive. Oh, okay. So we got the, the metal. We need to, we need to come up with uh, Abraham's weapon. So obviously it's some kind of vampire hunting weapon, right? Yeah. That's the thrill that they need to get. They're hunting vampires. Fuck. Abraham Vampire the Vampire Hunter. There we go. <laughs> okay. What is a weapon that you use to hunt vampires with? I know stakes and, and holy water and I think silver in a lot of cases. Typically. But uh, I was listening to a podcast a while back where uh, I think the One Shot podcast just involved people staking vampires with thermite pencils. Shit. So uh, that's a pretty good anti-vampire weapon. That's a good idea. Here's some more ideas that I've gotten from WikiHow, How to Kill a Vampire. Good. Um, I'm looking at a picture of a vampire choking on just a lot of garlic. <laughs> he looks really happy about it, too. He's just really thrilled to have all this oh garlic God. kind of in and out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one for the show notes right there. That is definitely going in the show notes. They're saying wooden stakes, uh, silver bullets, garlic, holy water, sunlight. Oh, shit. What's up? Fire a wooden bullet. Use a flash grenade. <laughs> Shine a floodlight on them. Oh, my God. I want this character to have multiple weapons now because I definitely want them to just use flashbangs. Jesus Christ. But I also really like the idea of, like, this picture, by the way, of the wooden bullet is just like a normal hollow point bullet with like a wooden stake glued onto the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that would ever work. No, it would catch on fire, wouldn't it? It would just shatter instantly, I feel like. Also, it'd like definitely throw off the weight of the bullet. Oh, for sure. Nor would this bullet fit in the chamber of this revolver. <laughs> I have so many problems with this. Yeah, no, this concept. is like a fucking assault rifle bullet. Yeah. Many nations use them as training rounds. I'm gonna need a citation on that. <laughs> oh my god. What if it's just a flare gun? Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, like an Alan Wake move, and that's probably just a near weapon with that ammo 3, but yeah, you just 
fucking yeah like it's not specifically anti-vampire because it does enough damage just by being hit with a flare to hurt other things but yeah it'll light someone on fire sure yeah good enough yeah i like that there we go the other thing that we have to describe in the equipment list that is armor your parent once wore well obviously it's the opera cloak and bulletproof uh silk vest (laughs) (laughs) i love this it's like kevlar Well, I mean, in olden times, you would wear silk vests to combat to try and stop arrows, but uh, this is definitely just yep. reinforced with Kevlar. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I like it. It's tactical vampire outfits. <laughs> it's this upper middle class. <laughs> they were at war. There is, uh, like, a fucked up Castoroni invasion happening. Like, it's not unreasonable to think that they would have that. I mean, this is taking a weird, sharp turn into Shadowrun, but you're not wrong. I listen. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing we gotta do is choose two of the the. Oh wait, it's a choose one on the weapon or the armor. So they just have they still wear that, but it's not actually armor reinforced. It's not. Yeah, it's not bulletproof. It's just like a, a silk shirt. Yeah. Okay. Problem solved. Adventuring gear, a survival knife, bandages, or a mount or vehicle that's been with you through hard times. Well, we've so got to we pick two that. of those. Yeah, that's definitely one. So it's like, choose one, adventuring gear, knife, or bandages. <laughs> right, exactly. I think it's the knife. Okay. Just so that they have another weapon in case they run out of flares. Yeah, it's the cookery, like the one that they used to behead Dracula in the book Dracula. Yeah. 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 Double down. What's the mounter vehicle? Um, oh god, that's a good question. Because we established that the Castoroni are the ones who kind of had, like, actual technology, and they only had, like, 70s technology. Mm-hmm. Can it just be a pedal bicycle? Shit. Are you imagining one of those ones from the 1800s that just has one really big front wheel on it? Oh, you know I'm imagining one of those. There we go. Problem solved. It's been with you through hard times because they're really easy to fix as long as the wheel doesn't get broken. Yeah. Yeah. Abraham pedaled it to the the nearby town (laughs) and then the erasure engine happened and he pedaled it back and it was gone. Jesus Christ. Actually, I'm retconning something we decided earlier. Uh-huh. Abraham came back to the site of the erasure, I guess, eration. Yeah. And I think Abraham was the first one that ever saw or interacted with the um the Great Old One. I know we did that scene where like the Great Old One was there with the scientists of studying everything that happened. Okay. But I think Abraham actually interacted with it first and like I don't know what it would have said to him, but it gave him the mark on his necks. On his Gotcha. Neck. He only has one neck. Only one neck. Right? Probably. Are we married to only one neck for the the Snirnians? Yeah. Unless okay. Cool. A bat head and a mudskipper head. Oh fuck! <laughs> no, they don't. I can't. Okay. No. Also, I'm uh still on this wiki how to kill a vampire page. Same. Um, are you looking at the community Q and A? No. What? Hold up. Do vampires die in a car accident? <laughs> Where can I find a vampire? Hey, I have a question. Uh Uh-huh. Do vampires need permission to enter a car? (laughs) I mean, if you live in that car. But it's still a doorway. Well, yeah, but it's specifically they have to ask permission before entering a home. Oh, okay. I like the idea of a vampire that's trying to carjack someone that is currently living out of their car. Yeah, And they just can't do it. (laughs) Are we good? Are we good on this character? Are we good on Abraham Vampire? 
Because I want to do what at least one more. What if a vampire more. apocalypse comes and I don't have the tools? I'm sorry, what's a vampire apocalypse? <laughs> Aside from the one that we've crafted in this fiction? <laughs> I'm sure they're imagining a zombie apocalypse sorry. with vampires, but I don't think that's how vampires A zombie work. apocalypse with vampires, we would be fucked. <laughs> the only thing that has that we have going for us in a zombie apocalypse is that zombies are dumb and slow. Vampires right, right. are crafty and rapists, so like... That's well, that depends on the individual vampire. I've watched your blood. <laughs> <laughs> like, vampires are just, like, humans with more supernatural powers, so... Yeah, so I don't see what like they would have to choose to cause apocalypse, which would be a bad choice. Cause they'd all starve to death. <laughs> like, hey, I have an idea, Greg. Let's turn everyone into a vampire. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, and then they do it, and then they're like, "Oh, we're out of food now." Whoops! This actually happened in the backstory to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. God damn it! It did. <laughs> Well, yeah, they solved that by creating vampires that were double vampires that fed on vampires. Here, let me let my cat out real fast. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so I think we're good on Abraham Vampire the Non-Vampire Vampire Hunter. I think Abraham Vampire the Vampire Hunter just rolls off the tongue easier and then you don't have to say vampire three times in a row. I like talking about vampires. Because then one will crawl out of your mirror. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then not see itself. Right, exactly. Okay, cool. No, I like that. I think that's it. I think Abraham Vampire the Vampire Hunter is good and solid. Let's move on to at least one other character. We have an hour and two minutes in this recording but i know at least 10 of that is getting cut it's more like 30 we'll be fine yeah oh we should have come here before we did last episode there's a wiki how to create a credible fantasy story uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't need it to be credible we just need something <laughs> step one establishing your setting look at the national geographic website <laughs> If we fucked up, we gotta go redo last week's episode. Ah, shit, step three, we forgot to draw a map if it's helpful. I'm so bad at drawing maps. Same, actually. Uh, so what playbook do we want the next character to be? That's I know, I know, your personal favorite in this, the, the inverse world, uh -huh. and we could do that. I'm also looking at the mechanic. That would also be interesting. So, I mean, hmm. mechanic, there's less stuff we can really talk I got an about idea. there. Again, idea. We're doing the collector. Okay, perfect. This is a, a pre-existing character. <laughs> and of course, the collector. Okay, let me let me ask you this. Uh-huh. Is it more interesting for the collector to be Cagelino? Fuck. Or Miriam was it Bishopric? Is that right? That's the one. I feel like Miriam would be the collector. Okay. So for the audience, by the way, the collector playbook is all about having a really large collection of random like oddities and curiosities that you carry around that you can use to like pull answers to situations out of your ass. It's it's pretty interesting. I like it a lot. It's for sure my favorite playbook, probably in the game. Yeah. So we know Miriam defected from the Castaronia, just from Castaron in general, right? True, true. 
And then after they turned into vampires, like, the Castoronis probably definitely just became, like, villains in this oh, s- setting. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. What is Miriam Bishopric's drive? I feel like a good gimmick for her would be holding the key. Keep dangerous things away from those that would abuse them. It fits. That makes sense. It makes a yeah. lot of sense, considering what happened. Exactly. With everything in Castoroni society. Just everything, completely. Everything. Especially after she spent some time with the library. She was like, man, I there's so much shit that I do not want getting back to the uh, actual government. Exactly. Like, yeah, okay. they've scratched the fucking proverbial surface of things that could go very south. Yeah, okay. I love, by the way, my favorite change we made is, this session so far, is making the Castoroni into vampires just to really, like, solidify home. These are the bad guys now. You know, you're tampering with things beyond your ken. You don't know what's gonna happen sometimes. Sometimes yeah. it turns you into a vampire. Yeah. That's just how magic works. <laughs> um, so the instead of the cataclysm, that's what the, the survivor had for the collector is uh predilections. Which is essentially what kind of collection you keep. Yeah. So what kind of collection does Miriam keep? It's living, magical, or mundane. I'm tempted to still say mundane, to be honest with you. She is a scientist. Yeah, that's true. Mundane are your curious are practical in nature. So that's like clothing, weaponry, gadgets, food, just like actual, like tangible, real things that people use day to day. Yeah. Magical would be stuff like wands or or enchanted items or it says cards, crowns. I don't know what cards would be like. Is that like trick cards or, you know, like magical tarot cards sort of things? Oh, okay, Like Yu-Gi-Oh cards from the anime. Oh, probably. She might collect Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I mean, the other thing is, if we choose magical, it makes some of her abilities key off of her charisma stat, which I imagine she would not have the greatest charisma. That's true. I like mundane, because that bounces off int, and yeah. that would make sense for her. And one of the few things that we actually saw her do was pull out some random gadget in, that she didn't need in order to traverse a very small gap. Yeah. Okay, so I think mundane is good. So yeah, most of our choices here are front-loaded in the Keeper of Curios move. So like, what's the main theme of the stuff that she collects? Hmm. I like that the examples they give are masks, small dinosaurs, or mechanical replicas of insects. Those are all very good. Hell yeah. God, I'm just imagining a character now that's just like, I don't even know how you would carry around a throng of small animals, but constantly just Denver the last dinosaur in your way out of every situation you come into <laughs> is very good. I think the theme of her, like the easy answer is books, right? Because she's been in the library. That's true. But that's but... not interesting from a gameplay perspective. Yeah, and then they would just be like normal books. I feel like books would be a good thing to do if we were collecting magical. I think that would be Cadge's move, but I think Miriam probably... Oh, uh, there's something else we gotta do first with the, the mundane. We need to choose a type of resource, uh, adventuring gear, weapons, ammo badges, or rations. When you spend a minute looking through your collection, restock one of the chosen resources. Oh, never mind, it's not something we have to choose now, it's just something that you get. Well, no, we choose it Oh, we do still right need now. to choose, yeah, yeah, okay. So we gotta choose adventuring gear, weapons, ammo, badges, bandages, or rations. I would say definitely adventuring gear, probably. Yeah. 
I agree with that. I'm imagining the theme of her collection is small, very specific. Are you thinking like tools? Every single thing that she carries is some kind of like beige bakelite plastic box that has something very specific in it that performs one function. Okay, so like for example, she has like a, a box in it that has one of those things. Um, like one of the boxes is just like one of the the snakes that you use for like running cable up and down through uh drywall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, like that kind of specific function for all her different tools. I like that. Since it gives us options for like words we can use to define what the collection looks like, I would probably say complex and impractical. <laughs> I like that a lot, yeah. Like, she opens one box and inside is like, some kind of what she claims is detection equipment, but it's just a really big jumble of like, vacuum tubes and brushed steel, and you've gotta like, Fuck. twiddle a bunch of knobs on it, and then eventually, oh, okay, cool, I've figured out what's going on here, I've- and then boom, roll the spell door, yep. I know all the answers to this problem. I like it. Uh, is there anything else we need to decide? I know our gear, but is there anything else? Uh, not on this page. Um, so for our gear, we have to choose for a catalog of strange and mysterious, yeah, an for antique sure. weapon, monster feed, a repair kit, uh, 40 coins and a membership card to an organization <laughs> of your choice. That's definitely <laughs> one of them. Yep. She's got the library membership. Yeah, she's just got a library card. Mm-hmm. Poultices and herbs. A unique and intelligent item, pet, or companion. Okay. Uh, spare clothing and a vehicle or mount that matches your collection's theme. So we definitely have the 40 coin and membership. We definitely have the catalog of uh, Strange and Mysterious. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna say a unique and intelligent item, pet, or companion. Is it Cadge? It's Lino. Okay, there you go. Cadge can't leave the library, but Lino can. No, that's can. perfect. Right, exactly. <laughs> In case anyone can't remember or forgot, Kaj uh, Lino was the FM radio DJ that was ahead of the Stargate expedition. They went to a library, a magical library on another planet. Uh, he got left there, and then he got turned into a head archivist, which means he's a literal giant engorged floating head, and his last name, Lino, is now the name of his body that is without a head, that is ambulatory. And she brought just the body. <laughs> I imagine she probably has, like, a way to communicate with Cad. Oh, sure, probably. One of her many various strange baked light cubes contains a little uh, two-way radio. Yeah, that is interplanetary. Exactly. Magic exists in this universe, so fuck you. Except it's not magic, it's mundane. Mm, true, but it might be mundane, but, like, maybe the head archivists have a way to, like, magically amplify the signal. Yeah. Yeah something like that what's her last thing is it an antique weapon or a vehicle or mount that matches the collection's theme huh i mean the thing i'll say is that she's got a d4 damage die no matter what so that's not fantastic so i'm imagining it's probably a vehicle or mount that matches the collection's theme but see i also really like the idea of it being an antique weapon and it's just like not a good weapon <laughs> like it's a musket and that's why it's d4 damage I guess, but I also really... What what vehicle or mount would match the theme? Yeah, given that it's complex and impractical. No, 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 no. The collection's theme is specific tools. Oh, that's true. The, the complex and impractical is the look. Okay. So it has oh. to match its theme of specific tools. Right, exactly. 
Oh my fucking god, I had an idea. Okay. Her vehicle is, um, you know how, like, when you go to Home Depot, you can rent just a pickup truck? Shit. It's that, and in the, the bed of the pickup truck is, uh, her collection. That's what I was imagining, yeah, like, just a fucking 4x4 four four or a panel van that she just carries <laughs> all of these, uh, separate, like, cubes in. God, that's fucking I really good. like the idea of it being a 4x4, four four because that really cements that, like, the Castoronis were in the 70s. Oh, for sure. It's got wood paneling on it. Oh, yeah, it does. Oh, that's <laughs> no, incredible. it's a hatchback. <laughs> it's a station wagon. That's good. No, I like that there one. Go. Okay. Perfect. She drives a Volvo. Oh my god, she completely <laughs> does. Is it a Volvo, or is it one of those weird, like, East German cars? It's a Volvo. It's definitely a Volvo. Okay. Because uh, she talks about how much she likes it, like, too much. Oh my god. Did she just bring it from home? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she did. And it, it definitely does still have the wood paneling. We can't get rid of that. For sure, for sure. God. God, <laughs> I can't fucking vote. Our party right now, just to recap, <laughs> drives a Volvo and an and a 18th century thing. bicycle. Yeah. Yep. Do we want to do one more? I think we can get yeah, one more character one more. out of the way. Also, by the way, yeah. so I just googled wood-paneled Volvo. Uh, let me get you this picture real fast. It'll also be in the show notes, just in case anyone needs it. That's what she drives. There it is. That's literally exactly what I was imagining. Um, I have an idea for another pre-existing character we can use. Yeah, yeah. How would you feel about... Oh no, we can't do that, because the people who set off the erasure engine died, right? I mean, they could have died and turned into vampires. Fuck, yeah, okay. It's Elaine Rosebuck. Elaine Rosebuck is a vampire now. Yeah, okay. And uh, what sheet were you thinking of using for Elaine? Um, I was thinking of using the captain. Oh, fuck, okay. Yeah. The captain, for the record, is literally an airship captain. Which yeah. is interesting, because we established that there didn't used to be any way to travel, like, above planet. Elaine has seen the surface of a planet. Shit, that's good. Okay. And figured out how to fucking fly between worlds with a big ol' airship. Yep. Oh, by the way, the one thing we haven't been doing this entire time is talking about the character's looks at all. Oh, good point. Which I just noticed, because the captain's looks are very evocative. Yeah, they are. Let's, let's get all their looks figured out at the very end. We'll just okay. kind of run through those real quick. Sounds good. So, rapid fire. I think Elaine Rosebuck, after becoming a vampire, like, he went to the library. Okay. Because, like, he already had reservations with everything that was going on, and after he died, he's like, fuck this, fuck everything, I'm out of the, the Castaroni army. And I think that's how he met Miriam. Okay, yeah. And he learned magic there. there and so with that, go. he's like, hey, check it out, there's something called a surface of a planet. <laughs> um and so he and hank hankin probably just joins him oh yeah hank's part of his crew yeah hank's definitely part of his crew and he just he becomes the first and only sky pirate god that's perfect and by pirate okay. i mean he's not like an actual pirate but like yeah you can't really be a pirate if you're the only one who has an airship i'm imagining it as like a, a fucking mario galaxy bowser's flying airship spaceship thing okay yeah yeah Sort of a spelljammer scenario. Yeah, a little bit. Hey, I have an idea. Yeah, yeah. It is the 70s. Can it be uh -huh. like a yacht? Oh, yeah, for sure. 
It's like a fucking <laughs> Catalina sailing yacht. <laughs> Just in space. What is uh, Elaine Rosebuck's drive? Responsibility oh. and respect, money and fortune, or a life of adventure? I think it's I definitely like responsibility, responsibility and respect. respect hits here. Yeah, put yourself at risk to protect your ship or your crew. Yeah, totally. absolutely. It's sort of a Sky Pirate as Repentance scenario. Okay. The backgrounds are Imperial, Merchant, or Pirate. And I kind of like Imperial because it's you have connections with the military of a certain nation. Yeah, that makes sense. The only problem is when you recruit in a military outpost or base, take plus one and hirelings gain this way have the cost of blind patriotism. Yeah, that is... I think we can still do that. I think we can still do that, and I'm going to say we can do one very minor homebrew retcon. We can change the blind patriotism to, um... It could also be, like, instead of blind patriotism to that specific military? It's to him. Yeah, exactly. It's a fucking uh, big boss scenario. I like that. You're running outer heaven, except instead of being a fucking offshore oil platform, it's one yacht. Yeah. No, that's good. That's oh that, fuck. I, I like love that a lot. That's that's oh, really, God. really okay. good. I managed actually. to tie okay. into Metal Gear Solid. There's the hook for me. <laughs> Your daily allocation of tying something into uh, Metal Gear has been met. Imagine if Big Boss was also a vamp is what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. Kinda. Bonds don't need to. What is the name of the ship? Oh god. Um, I'm gonna call it the Scales Rebalanced. Oh, I like that. There we go. I, I really like that. Okay. We need to take some enhancements to the ship. Ah, that's true. Uh, I'm just, I'm gonna roll them, because that's interesting. Okay. There's seven. Okay. Random.org it is, then. Or you could roll a d8. Uh, that's easier, actually. A three. It's another three. Alright, that's an eight. Okay, which roll a doesn't work. That's a fucking three. Come on! Okay, it's a three and a seven. Okay. So combat ready and tank. Combat ready, your cannons deal plus one D6 damage. Are they actual cannons? That's a good question, because Elaine had to build the sh- had to have built the ship himself. Yeah. Or with like his crew. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more this just being a fiberglass yacht doesn't make perfect sense. I mean, like, I think it's still just a yacht. I think it's like he had a yacht back at home base, or like on one of the planets in like a giant underground lake. Perfect. And so his building is just making modifications to it and then casting like flight on it. The other interesting thing here is since we rolled tank, this thing is also an armored yacht. Yeah, so I think he just, like, fucking bolted, like, metal onto the side of it, and, like, it goes up over the, uh, railing a little bit, so, like, everyone on the, like, deck of the yacht has, like, cover to hide behind. Oh my god, it's got crenellations. Yep. Um, I have an idea. Uh What if instead of traditional cannons, he just has, like, mounted machine guns? There you go. Yep. And they do 3d6 damage, which is terrifying. Yeah. Cool. So, there's nothing else we need to decide there. Alright, so we choose Gear. a weapon and two other items. Can he have... The three options for the weapon are a looted cutlass, an officer's rapier, or a wicked hook. Can he please have a hook? Oh, for sure, for sure. 
<laughs> He's got a hook hand. Hook hand vampire pirate. I believe it's just a vampirate. Thank you. Perfect. And then the rest of his gear we need to choose two. Throwing knives, adventuring gear, poultices and herbs, and a flintlock pistol. Can we can we replace the flintlock pistol with just like a handgun? Yeah, fine. It has to be a single shot hat handgun though, so like Yeah, it's a revolver. Fuck. No, I don't think it's a revolver. I think it's like some kind of small pistol that you have to rack the slide back every time you fire it. Oh, okay. I like that. Because that's how you can represent the reload on it. Yeah, that's fair. I like that. And then, uh, poultices and herbs. Okay. He likes to cook. I mean, poultices <laughs> and herbs are mostly for healing, but sure, why not? He uses it for cooking. Okay, okay. Yeah, because my follow-up was going to be, how do those work for vampires? He cooks it and eats it. Yeah, okay, perfect. I mean, it's got the slow tag, it takes a while to heal with him. Sure. Yeah. You use them for cooking supplies. He's trying to wean himself off of the, like, blood hunger. <laughs> by just, like, putting a lot of time and effort into doing cooking good. God, he's a fucking Discworld vampire, that's perfect. Yep. Yep. Alright, we did it. Cool. Let's run through the looks of all three characters real fast. So, okay. since we're on Elaine Rosebuck already, what are his eyes like? Let's just go down the line. Let's say wary eyes, replaced hand, obviously. Of of obviously. Of obviously. Of obviously. You know, like everybody says. <laughs> the the common turn of phrase. Then I'm go gonna go with grizzled body and official suit because he still wears his military regalia. Yeah, he does. I like that. And grizzled body because he got still pretty fucked up. He got destroyed in a nuclear, like, world-ending weapon. Yeah, exactly. And then reanimated as a vampire. Yeah. The Collector. This is Miriam. Uh, I think close-cropped hair. Yeah, for sure. Glasses, for sure, definitely. Definitely. I'm gonna say fresh change of clothes, but that is still definitely just, like, the, uh, the lab coat. Yeah, she just carries a large number of lab coats with her. Yeah. I also imagine she has, like, coke rim glasses. Oh, for sure, for sure. Actually, I'm kind of imagining, like, uh, have you ever seen those, like, standard-issue horrible glasses that they used to give out in Vietnam? Yes. Just the yeah, huge, those are good. chunky plastic ones? Yeah. Yeah. That's what she has. Uh, can I say pudgy body? Sure, yeah. That yeah. sounds about right. Cool. And then last but not least, we're gonna need to take some liberties, I think, with, uh... <laughs> The survivor, Abraham Vampire, <laughs> um, burning eyes. Fair enough. And by burning eyes, I mean there's this like a very faint glow that's the same as the scar. Perfect. Scalp tattoos. Yeah, we can't he, go with savage hair, hair because that's not vampire. Oh fuck! Wait, battered hat. <laughs> what kind of hat? Like we need to figure out what kind of hat does this Abraham Dracula's Vampire wear? Don't wear hats. But he's also a vampire hunter. And they definitely do. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, the easy answer is just a tricorn, but, like, let's think here for a sec. I really like the tricorn, actually. Because it's the- imagine Dracula wearing a tricorn. Oh god, that's good, actually. Yeah, no, it's a that's tricorn. That's just Helsing from the anime Helsing, but no, that's perfect. It's also, like, half the characters in Bloodborne. True, true. Which, like, super into. Also, the tricorn fits well because this character is on a pirate ship with the other two. Oh and by God. pirate ship, I mean yacht. But Yeah, the pirate yacht. The pirate yacht. God, that's good. Okay, yeah. I think toned body? 
makes the okay. most sense out of the three here. Hulking, tiny, or toned? I think toned makes the most sense. Sure, yeah. Because uh, he's a vampire hunter. Yeah, they're tall, but I'm not imagining either bats or lungfish are super huge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like how we just keep naming different fish that they are. <laughs> <laughs> tattered clothing, wrapped body, or shirtless? It's tattered clothing, uh, because yeah. it's definitely the, the Dracula outfit. Okay, exactly. cool. There we go. Um, we've got our three characters. How did, how did, um, we know how the other two met. How did Abraham get wrapped up in everything? Well, let's give everybody a bond with each other really fast. Alright, bonds. Blank knows what I've been... Yeah. Blank knows what I've been through better than most. I'm going through the Survivor one right now. Yeah. I'd say Elaine Rosebuck knows what the Survivor's been through better than most. Ooh, I like that, yeah. Because Elaine caused it. Literally went through the same thing, yeah. Yeah. And then... Miriam... I will keep Miriam safe from the horrors of the world, is Abraham's other one. Perfect. Uh, Miriam's are, I gotta scroll back up. The collector ones are weird. Um, Miriam's is, let's see, blank is a valuable asset is an easy one to fill out. Yeah. Uh, I don't think either of them share her lust for treasures. Ah. Okay, okay, I got it. Elaine Rosebuck helped me find something rare and wonderful. Uh, and that is existence above the surface. Okay, yeah, sure. And then that makes Abraham Vampire a valuable asset. Perfect. And then for the last one, the captain for for Elaine Rosebuck. By the way, uh, in case we didn't explain this, bonds are like ways that your character thinks about other people in your party. Yeah, they describe your character's relationship with other characters, basically. Yeah. And if you roleplay in a way that um, fulfills your bond to a point where like the bonds change as the story moves, you erase it and then you get experience at the end of a session. They also, uh, however many bonds you have with another character, uh, increases when you're trying to help them out with different tasks. So. Yeah. It's a really cool system, it's really elegant, and it kind of incentivizes like playing your character while you're interacting with your party, and I like that a lot. Yeah, it also incentivizes actually drawing your characters together and forming relationships and stuff. Yeah, super, super cool, super, super good system. Fucking love yeah. it so much. Listen, please, just play Dungeon World, I beg of you. Please, God, just play Dungeon World. <laughs> Elaine's Bonds. Um, well, the first mate doesn't apply because that's Corporal Hank Hankin. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit, Blank has much to learn about life in the open sky. That's definitely, uh, that could be either of them. That's true. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for Miriam. Okay. Because Miriam in the library helped him get all of the, uh, the magic they, together. Yeah, they put him back together after he got fucking exploded. Yep, and then, uh, also helped him build the boat. Yeah. Okay. Two different takes on I wouldn't be here for today, and I think both of them apply. Blank has much to learn about life in the open sky is definitely uh, his bond with Abraham Vampire. For sure, for sure. And that's our Dungeon World party. Yeah, that turned out really fun. I'm into it. That was really cool. I like this party a lot. Yeah, um, <laughs> God, I want to actually play Miriam in a game now, I'll be honest with you. God, I, I would fucking love to play either of the other two for sure both of them are my whole shit like pirates <laughs> and bloodborne yep god that's sick okay 
this has been the character generation. We did. Yeah, we that's did enough of the patting thing. ourselves we... on our own backs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we honestly might come back to this world a little bit later. Yeah, do at either... some point in the future. I'd I'd love to come back in this world a little bit and just like imagine how things have changed as if like a session happened and then make more characters. Totally, totally. But that that's something we can come down come to down the line. For now, this is the last thing we're gonna uh, last time we're gonna be touching Kesteron for a while. Uh next episode we're gonna be doing something really uh I'm <laughs> I'm really excited for, honestly. Oh, um, so I've been Moth, I've been hearing a lot about this uh this this new system, uh Starfinder? Ah, god, I'm... never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to talk shit about this really, really beloved system. I'm really excited to dig into this very the same game. The character creation aspect of Starfinder looks really interesting. A lot of the gameplay stuff in it, I probably couldn't give a shit about because it's Pathfinder. It's just based. Pathfinder. Yeah, but we don't have to play it. We hey. just get to make characters and move on. So Let's do it. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're get, that's what we're gonna do next week i got the the player's handbook already or whatever the playbook is called yeah um and so look forward to that hell yeah what are other things we do it's been a month since we recorded <laughs> uh we got places find on us social on social media. media yeah yeah it's at the character gen on twitter and then facebook.com slash the character gen or the character gen at gmail.com we've got a tumblr i think if we do, we haven't ever used it. Ooh, I should set that up to cross-post or something, because I keep forgetting it exists. Yeah. But yeah, we got places. Talk to us. If you want to talk to us, or send us suggestions, or yell or at us, us, or... send us fan art like one very cool fan did, that still Yeah, that was, mind. um... I don't want to get it wrong. I believe that was at RoboticaBirdie on Twitter sent us some really good fan art of our Shadowrun campaign, and it had me over the moon for like two days uh, i was so happy to see that it's so cool thank yeah, you so it's much still his um, icon in uh, discord right now oh yeah yeah so go ahead and follow us there on all of those give us a uh a, a review on itunes it helps boost us a lot it's the only way we're really building up because itunes is the primary way to get your podcast known also point of note uh we created a youtube page and we're going to start posting um like short clips of the podcast there for you to share with your friends because I know it's hard to be like hey listen to this podcast let me link you an hour long clip of it. Yeah, exactly. We have one clip up there now. It's the whole Raymond Ramon everybody loves Raymond bit from uh before is really good. Check it out. I I posted links to it on all of our social media um cuz we don't have the ability to get a custom URL for YouTube yet. <laughs> Right, right. Um, yeah, catch us. Anything on that else search. I'm forgetting? Nah, I think we're good. I gotta build our brand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's it. This has been the character generation. I'm Moth. I'm Chet. And it went like this. I'm dead. I am wrong. I am sorry. sorry.